Hello, everyone. We're glad you found us and welcome to our podcast at antiqueauctionforum.com. We hope you find this show entertaining and informative. This is Martin Willis, and I'm in Richmond, California. I'm in an artist studio of Ruth Roten. How are you doing, Ruth? I'm good, thank you. And can you describe what you are? You're a goldsmith? I'm a goldsmith, silversmith. In uh, in the last, I'd say, 15 years, I started painting. Uh-huh. And I also make some sculpture. Okay. And now, how did you? How, how long ago did you get into starting uh, the silver? Uh, when I was 19, I took an evening course. Ah. in printmaking and the printmaking teacher didn't show up he was sick uh, the jewelry teacher came into the class and said anyone interested in taking jewelry can come down to my classroom so mm-hmm. I thought jewelry uh, it's not, I don't want to do that so I sat there all by myself and I thought well I'll wander down and see what they're doing I went in and talked to the teacher and said, I really don't want to make jewelry. He said, you don't have to make jewelry. You can make whatever you want. So at that point, that's where I began to start raising. In the first part of the room that you saw where the stakes and hammers were, Mm -hmm. that uh, you can make bowls and vases and Mm. like the candelabra that you saw where I did the hammering on it. Yes. that's called raising, uh-huh. and um, I started that when I was 19, and I bought my wow. hammers and stakes when I was at that age. So this is all because a teacher showed up sick. Yeah. Isn't that funny how life works like that? <laughs> That's amazing. So, okay, so you started at 19. Now, did you just, did you have a, another job, and you did this part-time, or did uh, you? Well, uh, I was only 19, so yeah. I was, you know, I had school to do and sure. you know yeah. to go to college and so the teacher had gone to the University of Kansas and I thought well he's a great guy maybe that's a good program mm-hmm. so he had me apply to different um, metalsmithing programs in the universities all over the United States and then when I got accepted at the University of Kansas I thought well I will go there because he was such a great teacher mm-hmm. and I would like to study with his teacher so then I went through um, that whole program where I, where I ended up with a degree in design. Oh, uh-huh. With an emphasis in metalsmithing. Uh-huh. Now, did, did, was there a certain metalsmith ahead of you that you sort of emulated, not exactly emulated, but you had a passion for their work? Or no, I totally hadn't really studied anybody. I just uh-huh. started out as a babe in a way. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't even know that existed, I, ah, you know, yeah. until I got into the university and realized, oh yeah, there's the whole tradition, uh-huh, you uh-huh. know, that it goes way back, you know, oh, for sure. centuries. Oh yes, yeah. So now, was all your work hammered? Work? At first, yeah, uh-huh. Uh-huh, yeah. I didn't make any jewelry for a long time, and then I started started making jewelry. Uh huh. Oh, you finally started making yeah, jewelry. Yeah, I finally started making jewelry <laughs> in college because they required it in some of the courses. I see. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's really like tiny work, right? I mean, really... 
Yeah, small, but my yeah. pieces were usually a little bit bigger because uh -huh. I continued to hammer. <laughs> uh -huh. Now, have you ever done any casting at all? Yes, I actually had a job where I um, worked as the caster, mm -hmm. and um, I did. I used to teach, and I would oh. help my students do the casting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so was yeah, it lost wax? Lost wax casting. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah but uh, at this point. Um, the casting, uh, casting has become very technological, so I send my waxes away to have them done by an expert now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, um, what, what uh, traditions would you say that you use today that have been around for centuries? I still do the raising, mm -hmm. which has been, you know, since... Can you describe that, exactly what that okay, is? Okay, what that is, is taking a flat sheet of metal mm -hmm. and hammering it in such a way, concentric circles. We think of, think of a potter throwing a pot, uh -huh. and they take a glob of clay and they make a pot. Yeah. Well, the flat sheet of silver has absolutely no seams in it, and the reason that works is you're able to raise something is because you heat the metal up and that moves the molecules apart and when you hammer it tightens the molecules so you're actually moving the molecules of the metal slowly into a bowl or to a shape. Wow. So there's no seams. This is all started with a flat. No seams, and that's why I fell in love with it because it was so magical. It was just and, and that's what all like say the early tankards and pots and well, things like that. Well, some of the tankards are what they call fabricated. They take a sheet of metal and it's they solder into a cylinder and mm -hmm. solder it and then yeah. make their other pieces. But the very early, early pieces, like um, you know, way back to the Etruscans and. Really? They were yeah. all raised, and wow. those masks were hammered, and mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. So I never realized it really changed, like the compound of the the metal itself. Well, it's not so much the compound; it's the uh, the molecules, the it's molecular, the, uh, yeah, the molecular structure uh -huh. of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. And um, so, if you're you're saying you this is a process of heating and hammering and heating yeah. over and over and over and over. Wow. And over. So let's just let's just take a um, uh, let's say a, a three inch depth bowl. Uh, yeah, if you have in your hand a little cup, but it's uh, it's it's about two inches deep and about an inch and a half or so across. Mm -hmm. um, and that came out of a flat piece of metal. That did, and those hammering are, they're called rounds. You do mm -hmm. a round, uh -huh. and you go completely around the whole. Uh, diameter of the sheet of metal mm -hmm. and then once it's completely hammered that then is heated up with a torch and you go back and ham do another round mm -hmm. and um, there are several uh, videos online if you're really interested to see how oh, it's done, done. Mm -hmm. a couple people have done it yeah. I've done a real quick movie so you could look it up mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, um, how long would it take you to make something like that cup? Is that that little date? cup? Yeah. Probably maybe um, eight hours. Eight hours to make that little tiny cup. Wow.
And I'm sure a lot of it is because your work is beautiful and you're a perfectionist. Uh, I can see that. So, it, I mean, you just must just take your time. And do you ever like work on something and get frustrated and feel like giving up or starting over? Or? Well, what I usually do is I don't work on one thing at a time uh, because you can't do that to make a living you, in this world like uh, that. Uh -huh. If I spent eight hours making that little cup. Uh -huh. You know, which is so I have maybe three or four projects going at, at one time, mm -hmm. and I don't always make things. I do a lot of restoration oh, really? of okay. old pieces, antique pieces. Oh, that's good to know for our any listeners out yeah, there. Yeah, I. What type of work do you do for restoration then? All um, silver and jewelry both, but uh -huh. um, I'm an expert in. Early American, really, okay. And seventeenth, eighteenth century English silver. So, are, if someone, let's just say a couple of scenarios, a lot of pieces I've seen that are early are, are dented, dented to all over the place, and um, so I'd imagine that is that one of the things you do is take yeah, care of the dents. Yeah, I remove dents. That's yeah. uh, that's that's probably a valuable information and for a lot of viewers. And one of the things that a, a really good conservator or restoration person does is they repair the piece in such a way that you cannot tell it's been repaired. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And what other types of work do you do, like silver soldering and on pieces that need it and things oh, like that? Oh, yeah, cracks. Um, cracks. And what about... Things what that have fallen apart, arms off candelabras. Okay, I've seen things that are, say, coin silver. Do you work on coin silver? Yes. Well? And, and how about when something was, like, really thin somewhere and you can't really do anything with that can you if something's like a wall is very thin and cracked yeah it's hard you can back it uh-huh with a thick but you piece see of silver, what it, but there's some it. silver that was produced in the 1950s that is so thin it's almost like aluminum yeah and it's loaded what they call loaded but it's um backed or it's filled the pieces the candlesticks the pieces are filled with something called well it could be pitch, but sometimes it's it's a liquid that melts oh. with a torch or a heat. So they poured it in in these very very thin things. So people, when they pick them up, they think that they're really heavy. And so thick. it's sort of weighted. Yeah, it's in a way. weighted, yeah. and people are fooled by that. Huh. And then they'll come to me and want me to repair it, and I'll say, well, it's going to cost more than it's worth. Sure. Yeah. And are, is it a sentimental piece? Mm -hmm. And they, mm -hmm. they have to decide then, is it worth it to them to have it done? Otherwise, sure. it's not really worth it. Well, in the auction and the antique business, I've seen over the years where weighted silver, once it's weighted, forget it, it sells for... Uh, pennies on the dollar compared to other, you know, oh, all yeah, over. Oh, yeah, because it's not really all silver. Right, and you can't ever, you know, like a lot of people, when people, unfortunately, well, I'm going to talk a little bit about this later, the melting of silver for uh, silver value, uh, when people never buy weighted candlesticks to melt down, it's because you just, mm -mm. one thing, you have no idea how much silver is there, and you can never weigh it. But since I'm on that subject, um, is that heartbreaking to you when you hear about it is to me when you hear about people melting down Georgian silver for the value of silver do you ever hear about any of that when we went through the whole I can't remember what the brothers names were when the silver went up oh the, the, the Hunt brothers yes. yeah uh -huh. that created the yeah. increase in the silver value mm -hmm. it did yes it broke my heart now 
Um, I don't have quite the depth of feeling about pieces that I used to have. Because mm. I've, I think it's because I've worked on so many pieces, thousands really? of pieces. Yeah. Um, that I don't know how to describe it, but I I don't encourage people to melt their silver down. Hmm. But what can you do? Yeah. You know, it's not. I talked to someone on the East Coast in the Boston area, and mm -hmm. he was saying that the the silver going in to people that are buying it, or is a whole array of items from you know the cheap stuff that nobody really cares that much right. about to um, some really nice 18th century pieces, right. and it's a shame. It is a shame, and especially if something really American would oh, be in that imagine? lot. That oh. is because it's so piece? rare. Well, <laughs> or there's not, many more yeah, pieces many rare. Yeah, there's People always I, think I know. I'm just an example. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, there's some wonderful Philadelphia such, makers. Right. And, you know. It's such <laughs> a rare thing, an early American piece now. Sure. Because yeah. that, that would upset me. Yeah. I think more than the Because when they're pieces, gone, they're, they're gone, gone forever. Yeah. 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 Now, do you work on a lot of, since you're local to San Francisco, do you work on a lot of... Oh, street things? Street. Yeah. yeah. And uh -huh. I've been lucky to work on other San Francisco silversmith pieces. Now, I think we got together through Jim Kane. Yeah. So, have you you've done some work for him? Is I that did. how he first met uh -huh. you? Yeah. yeah. He's a great guy. And Jim will be listening to this, by the way, so hi, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of California makers, are there other makers besides... You don't hear a lot. I know um, Vanderslice worked with Shreve, did he? Or am I getting Vanderslice that wrong? Vanderslice was Vanderslice, and then there was Tucker. So Vanderslice was on his own. Well, it's interesting. You will find, and I've seen this, um, Shreve and Company has their own stamp. Vanderslice has his stamp. And there's always, um, sometimes you'll see a tea service with a coffee pot, teapot, tray, sugar and creamer. And say the coffee pot was made by Shoe and Company, the teapot was made by Vanderslice, they match. Mm -hmm. But you can imagine that what happened was Vanderslice may have made most of the tea set. And somebody went into Shoe and Company and said, we've lost our teapot or uh. a coffee pot and will you make it for us and they they did that they did a lot of that in fact I saw a set of 12 Shreven Company plates very thick plates and um, I was cleaning them and so I get a good view of everything mm -hmm. and 10 of them were made by um, were made by Shreven Company but 12 of, or the last two, were cast. So you could see the difference, and they still stand Oh, it. wow. So somebody had lost two and gone to Shreve and Company and said, can you make this for me? Uh -huh. And they had already probably thrown out the molds and the, and the templates oh, and sure. all that yeah. by that period of time, mm -hmm. and then they just made a mold of it and lost rocks casted it. I see. So it's not the same value as... Yeah. The ten plates that were fabricated and handmade. Sure, sure. Okay, I heard you say Tucker. Is there anyone else in particular? And and was there anyone in Sacramento at all? Well, I'm not a historian. And, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, sorry about that. Oh, that's okay. So we have Tucker and Vanderslice and Shreve. Yes, and another more. 
There are more, yeah. If I had known I was going to be asked this, I would have come with <laughs> my little cheat notes. <laughs> okay. Uh, one of the things I was always wondered, and I've never really done any research, is if the Shreve Crump and Lowe family in Boston, if there was any type of relation to, to George Shreve in San Francisco. I think they were, bro- I think they were a large family. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. one of the brothers used to travel a lot, so... Hmm. So you but do know your history. But don't quote me now out <laughs> there in <laughs> netland. That's all right. I, I like getting hate mail. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on from California, getting into your own uh, designs, have you has your work uh, changed over the years, or do you kind of do the same, you know, a similar style? Well, it's changed in the fact that it's become more uh, functional. Mm-hmm. And now that I've worked on so many other Silversmith's pieces. I've been so lucky because, well, California, you know, there's um, Porter Blanchard. In fact, this little cup I didn't actually make. It's It came oh. out of a scrap pile, and it was Porter Blanchard's work, and it had gotten caught in a garbage disposal, and it was all crunched. Oh. And I thought, it's worth saving. It's a shot glass. And it's and it's made so that it can't fall over. Oh, I see it's that. It's got a rounded bottom. Wow. And you can fill it with liquid, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> so you you kind of learn by just working on other things. Uh, or no, I, or I mean I inspiration or. Well, I've studied quite a bit. I after college I went to Denmark and studied there. Really? And I have to say that I'm. Is that right? Yeah, I am. Very inspired. I was very inspired you're, by the Danish silver. I can see a little bit of the Danish in, in the work that you're doing. Yeah. Uh, that the candelabra you, you showed. Yeah. The thing is, um, everyone thinks of George Jensen when uh-huh. they think of Danish, but there are when I was there, there were, and I think still are many, many different silversmiths. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like uh, kind of like Paul Revere. You know, I mean. Uh, people think of him as you know the early American silver maker, uh, you know because of the, actually that all that all started from a uh, poem about um, that he became famous. He was like an unknown. Yeah, he was a silversmith and well known for that, but he was like unknown in history until um, either a poem yeah. or a song. When came I out. first um, met well. Michael Weller, who was the owner of Argentum, yeah, and for many years and. Um, he was a mentor to me oh, as far as really? the restoration work mm-hmm. and the conservation work. Um, but the first day I met him, I went in and showed him my work. And um, he. And then I said, you know, I can't really make a living making these raised pieces. And he said, well, Paul Revere didn't make his living as a silversmith either. <laughs> and I said, oh, so what did he do? He said he was a roofer. I didn't know he that. He did copper See? roofs. Oh, okay. And he, uh-huh. um, he just did silversmithing on the side. Wow. So wow. he said, you have to remember that when you're, you know, when you think you're not going to make it as a silversmith. Mm-hmm. Now, do you do commissions or do you just... You yeah, do? Uh-huh. I've done commissions. Uh-huh. I've uh, made a tea service. Really? I was commissioned to do that. Mm-hmm. And... Um, some, most of the time, though, my actual work sells to people. Yeah. yeah. Now, do you sign all your work? Oh, yeah. I have a stamp. You have a stamp. I started okay. out early on having yeah. a stamp. Yeah. 
Would you would you care to guess approximately how many pieces you've made? made? Well, the thing is, um, I take a long time making these. Yes, piece. you tell me. Let's and just on that subject alone. The piece that I'm showing in my little video took you four years. Yeah, on and off. On and I didn't work on but it still full time, still. but the thought process that went into it took four years, and then the actual making wouldn't have taken that long. Now, where do you? Uh, I know I'm getting a little off track here, and you have a thought. Keep that thought. But where do, you, do where do you start the process? Do you start with a sketch? No, in my mind, I can see objects in my mind, oh. three dimensionally. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, it can, it's like a movie, and I can go inside of it, outside of it, I see it. Wow. So you don't even bother to draw it, you just start No, fabricating. I don't usually draw it. Mm -mm. Wow. Unless I have to figure out technical aspects of it, say for the T-surface, I really had to figure out where the handle went, where the spout went. You know, mm -hmm. I did draw that out. When it's more technical, yeah, I, I do draw it out and figure out inches and yeah. diameters and... And then I have to figure that out to order the silver, too. Yeah. Um, ordering silver. Now, do you have, is there better silver than the other, or is it just the purity? Uh, I order my silver from one company because they're a green company, and all they, oh, they recycle wow. all their metal. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. yeah. I did an interview uh, way back with a, guy, a pewter specialist, mm -hmm. and he was telling me that pewter was the first recyclable. They people would bring in their pewter plates and bring in six and get four back. You know, they just melted it down. Mm -hmm. Have you ever tried to work with pewter at all? Um, recently, I've done some pewter repair, but yeah. I stayed away from it for a very long time because what happens if you work with silver and a little piece of pewter gets on the silver, it'll eat and heat it up. It'll eat a hole in it. Oh, really? Yes, yeah, so you have to keep all your it's tools... like a contamination. Yeah, you have to keep your tools completely separated. I see, I see. So getting back to um, your designing, uh, you have a thought process, and you just start creating? Is I just start. I'll have a piece of 12-inch diameter silver, mm -hmm. and I have to say that sometimes what I see doesn't come out the same way because I will... See sure. in the process as the process goes, I will see a better way sure. or a better design in it as I hammer it. And one piece, I actually made a mistake. My hammer slipped, and I went, "Oh, that's even better," <laughs> and so went with that. Yeah, I know. Uh, Devencorn used to say to his students that when he was painting an abstract, it'll start out one way, and and his idea of how it's going to come out. And it comes out a completely different way. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, isn't that funny? So, let me get this straight. First of all, you became a silversmith because of someone got sick, and now you had a great design because you missed with a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> so things work very well for you like that. <laughs> That's interesting. I yeah. hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about goldsmithing. What what do you do with that? I make um, wedding bands or. Sometimes recently, because gold has gone so high, mm. people will come in with their old gold bands and want them remade or something else made out of them. Now, when you say remade, do you mean like melt, melted down? Melted down and make it into something else. I yeah. see. Wow. And how do people find you? Your your website? My about website, other ways? word of mouth. Mm -hmm. Word of mouth. Is that, would you say most of your work is word of mouth? You know? Yes, but I've actually had a couple website um, commissions that just came out of the blue. Yeah. People didn't know me. Wow. 
That's and they'll, they'll call me up and talk. To, we talk to each other on the phone. Mm-hmm. Or one guy I, I didn't even talk to. We just did everything by email. Really? Wow. Yeah. It's a changed world. It is. Yeah. Completely yeah. changed. Now, how long have you been in this studio here? About 14 years. Wow. Wow. And uh, on the video, I encourage people listening to this to check out the video. It'll be linked on the podcast. But you have a, a full shop out there where you actually turn... What type of things do you turn when you're uh, smithing? A lot of times when I'm doing restoration, I need a tool that I don't have. Uh-huh. Or a shape that I don't have to handle oh. on. And I will make it on the lathe or the milling machine. Wow. So... That's where that first came in, and the reason I have those machines is a friend of mine was getting rid of them, and asked uh, me if I wanted them, and uh-huh. I said, no, at first, they were just too heavy. It, yeah, yeah, that's pretty industrial. too much room, mm-hmm. but then uh, I thought, I would have them, and it's funny how when you have a tool, you realize all of a sudden, oh, you yeah. can do so much with it sure. that you didn't think that you could do. And so now I'm very happy. That so actually another thing you could do with a, is that, that's a wood lathe? No, it's a machine. Oh, or it's a uh, metal. Metal, metal lathe. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I was just thinking you could make molds for making uh, well, bowls. I've, but I've made handles, of, you know, ebony handles for old oh, you have. Uh, pieces or, mm-hmm. you know, I've carved wood. I've carved wood handles for old teapots, but I've also um, laved certain handles that wow. are round and have shape. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, when you're making your own pieces, do you ever put the heat separators on the handles? Yes, you do. Yeah, but I don't use ivory. Uh huh. Right. Use ebony or no? I have um, a very hard plastic that I use. It comes in black and mm-hmm. it's called Delron, D E L R O N, I think. And it, it can be carved. Is it something that I've seen something like in Danish work? Probably, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. So getting back to that, I know I'm jumping all over the place, but you're in Denmark for mm-hmm. a year. A year. That must have been really. It was fun. Thrill. Yeah, because I went all around, saw so many different kinds of works. And I have to say, my goldsmithing pretty much started there because I saw some jewelry that really inspired me. I thought, oh, okay, mm-hmm. you can make other things than, mm-hmm. you know, what I'd seen in college. Yeah. It was pretty traditional. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is gold fairly easy to work with? or It's fun, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think of it as being a little softer. It, it, it's fun because it solders easily, a uh-huh. lot easier than silver. Getting back into your work, you do painting as well. Did you? How long ago did you start that? I think I said on the tape. I can't remember. Maybe eighteen years ago. I'm not exactly certain. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I started because I was going through a really um, strong period of creativity. Uh-huh. And with the metal, it takes so long to make oh, something sure. in metal that I felt like I had to get that energy out of me some way and I thought well I'll try drawing and I started drawing and then I did pastels and one thing led to another and then I started painting Mm. and my grandfather and my great-grandmother were both painters oh really it it came naturally I Uh I didn't you know go to school to learn it I 
I just do it for fun. Yeah, yeah. Now, is there a piece that you have in mind that is a real challenge that you haven't tried yet? There's a technique that I have that's going to be a challenge that I want to do. Oh, okay. What, and that? English already do it. They um, TIG weld silver. And that's something I oh, want to... Oh, TIG welding, yes. Yeah, so that there's no solder seam. Uh-huh. And um, that's the next project. Now, isn't TIG welding with both a gas and metal at the same yes. time? electric? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. The gas cleans the area, um, keeps the area clean mm-hmm. while you're welding. I'll have to tell you more about it when I, when when I actually do it. it. Yeah. <laughs> now, once you solder something, do you lightly grind it and then buff it to make it blend in? Yeah, piece? you have to do that. For example, if you're making like a tanker. I used to make these baby cups that look very much like little, little teeny tankers. Oh, wow. And, um, Sounds like a lot of work. Tiny things sound like a lot of work. <laughs> uh, yes and no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would solder a joint to make a cylinder. And I would always file that down, sand it down, and buff it down so that you didn't, all you could see was a thin line of solder. Right. Yeah. You want it to be just where just they meet. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Which is, uh, takes a lot of patience, I'm sure. To do something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, this has been a real pleasure. Thanks so much for uh, showing us around. And why don't you give out your website? Oh, my website is my name, Ruth, R U T H, Roten, R H O T E N dot com. So it's www.ruthroten.com. All right. Very good. And I'll have a link to that on our website. Mm, great. And all right. Thank you so much, and this has been a real pleasure. Oh, you're welcome. This is Martin Willis with Ruth Roten, and we're signing off. Mm-hmm.